Show, where America hangs out to have a conversation about your money, your relationships, your marriage, your mental health, your work, everything. I'm Dr. John Deloney, joined here by my good friend Jade Warshaw, and we are taking your calls on just about everything. We got an opinion on it, I promise you. 888-825-5225. And listen, I read the data. I know your marriage is struggling. And I know you are looking at your kids who just got out of school and they already have a screen in hand and they're in front of another screen and you're thinking, I don't want to do another summer like this. And you're looking at your budget and you are not going to be able to make that vacation that you promised everybody. Give us a call. 888-825-5225. We will help you navigate the wildness that is <laughs> our lives these days, Jade. It's <laughs> Most ma- definitely. It's mayhem. It is mayhem, but we'll walk you through it. We'll do the best we can. In the meantime, let's try to help Brady out. He's in Little Rock, Arkansas. What's going on, Brady? Hey, y'all. Thanks for having me. Hey, what's going on? Hey, so I work off of commission uh, as a real estate agent, and I was just curious as to how I should build a budget off of that. So we're basically talking about an irregular income that is like, how much do you fluctuate like on a normal month to month? Well, it it actually fluctuates quite a bit because I live in a real small rural area. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, on average, the last two years I've made uh, right at 50,000 both years. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, one month I might make 15,000 and then next month I might not make anything. Mm hmm. So I totally understand that my husband and I were in entertainment and it was very much like that. I call it feast and famine because one month you could like score big and have some great shows. And then the next month you're like asking your agent, like, where's the work? Where's the gig? So I totally get that. Um, And at the end of the day, it's really setting up your budget in a way that you're paying the the non-negotiables first. And so you're making sure like you, you, you understand no matter what, I've got to pay these bills. Right. That's like your four walls, making sure that you've got food, transportation. Right. You're you're keeping the car running. You're keeping keeping the rent going. And then anything else falls below that line. It's like, okay. And then when I get extra money, I do this, this, this and that. So once you know those numbers, let's just say you have let's let's say theoretically, hey, in order to make my house just stay on. I need $2,000 or I need $3,000, right? But let's say you have a month where you make $10,000. You know that you've got to look at that $10,000 and go, okay, hypothetically, I could stretch three months out of that if I needed to, right? So you start off at that bare bones and then as more money comes in, it's kind of like you can work your way down the list and do a little bit more because you've got more set aside for the next month. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So initially starting, should I go off of like, Say what I made the previous month, or go do the previous year. Mm-hmm. Say so you, you've got a good baseline. It, you've made fifty thousand dollars two years in a row. This year, has it been harder this year? Uh, no, I'm actually on track to make just a little bit more. Okay, that's great. great, that's perfect. I would keep that number at fifty, and then divide that by twelve, and that's your that's your basis for how much it takes you to get through a month. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And when you look back, you might start to see that there's a certain seasonality or certain trends that set up like, hey, it just seems like no matter what, for whatever reason, August, we always make more money. Or for whatever reason, you know, in December, we're just killing it. You're going to start to see those trends develop. And that's also going to make it easier over time to budget and see what you've got. I also, you know, is your wife working? Uh, no, ma'am. She is a stay-at-home mom. Stay-at-home mom. She does work. She works PRN as a as a registered nurse at a local clinic, but that's just one day a week. So, 
I'll be honest and and take take from this what you want. Uh, but when I was in that situation of having such an irregular income for my husband and I, it gave us such peace to find a couple of things that we also did that gave us a stable, like no matter what, we know we're getting this money. And I don't know what that looks like for you. It might be something else that you do on the side where it's like, no matter what, I know and I can always plan that I'm getting this $2,000 or I can always plan that I'm getting, do you see what I'm saying? And I feel like- yeah. That could go a long way. It doesn't have to be a large amount of money, but that goes a long way when it's paired with irregular income to give you just a little bit of peace of, I know I can count on this. And as long as I, you know, do X, Y, Z, I know we're, I know we're good and I know we're gravy. But at the end of the day for you, a lot of this is being able to have the muscle to hold back and not spend and be like, okay, I know that we've got $10,000 sitting here, but this month we're only spending 4,000 and the, the other 6,000 has to wait until the next month or until you get another um, influx of cash. Let me, I, I'm on a hundred percent commission too. Let me tell you, uh, uh, there's not really a, you can do this any number of ways. Here's how we've done it in our house. Number one, the emergency fund is not this, uh, what I would call a flex fund like Jade was talking about. Your emergency fund is in a separate account for when you've got to replace your roof or your air conditioner goes out. It's not to bail you out month to month. And then when we first were practicing this, my wife and I, we kept what I would call a rolling fund that was about three months of our average salary because I was new to this whole thing. I had worked in education for my whole career and I just got a paycheck every month, no matter how much I worked or how much time I had off. And this is different now. And so I... It's the months that you have that are really big, and I was blessed to to spend some time in West Texas, where I grew up around. So I was around some farmers. One year may be insane. You may make two million dollars one year, and you may lose three hundred thousand the next year, depending on how much it rains. And so the goal here is when you get those $2 million years, you have to look ahead for the next year and the next year. And you're just going to do that on a month to month. So if you have that $15,000 month, oh my gosh, it's going to be so tempting to go out to eat and to go get a new van and do all those things. You got to look and say, okay, I need at least the next two or three months because this is going to pay my bills in case I've got nothing, in case I've got nothing. And then once a year, my wife and I might roll some money into our retirement account or we might roll some money into long-term savings or into a money market account or something like that once we know we have caught up with our months does that make sense yeah yeah and i somewhat done that what i do is i take 30 percent of every commission check that i get and i put i just stick it back into an account but i do that uh for year-end taxes okay well, yeah I, I don't have to worry about that but that's a different. That's, that's different. a totally different account. That's a third account. What you're doing there, that's super smart. But that can't be the money that hey, if we come on hard times, we take that money because then the at the end of the coming. year, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you've got it's 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 a combination. You've got to have your three to six months of expenses. In your case, because of the nature of your work, you want six months of expenses. So that's savings set number one. Number two, yes, put to, put aside twenty five thirty percent of what you're getting because you know that you're going to have to pay taxes. And then three. As I said, if you have a big month come in, every time you have a big month come in and you know there's a lot of margin, let's set aside a little of that margin until you've got a little bit of a cushion so that you can start to live your life like a normal life, you know? So if you come in a couple of thousand short, you've got a piece that you can pull from, but it also lets you do the things that you need to do depending on the baby step you're on, like investing or putting aside, do you know what I'm saying? Because you want to feel like you're able to do those things and you're not just waiting the name Forever. of this game is discipline, and it's just tough. It's just, it, yeah. that's the only difference is that she's got to be disciplined. You do. It's not easy, guys. 
living on living on irregular income it is not for the faint of heart but you can do it it just takes a little bit of discipline and a little bit of really in- intentionality on your part but you can do it this is the ramsey show Hey guys, it's Rachel Cruz here to tell you about a faith-based alternative to health insurance that can make healthcare more affordable, Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM allows members to share each other's healthcare costs, and it's as easy as one, two, three. Step one, choose the healthcare provider you want. Step two, submit your eligible bills. And step three, get reimbursed. CHM members take care of your eligible medical bills. With no network and the freedom to choose your healthcare provider, CHM is the best option for Christians who want to take care of their families and help other believers. Find out more at chministries.org slash budget. That's chministries.org slash budget. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is The Ramsey Show. I'm your host, Jade Warshaw, joined by Dr. John Deloney. I love that. I think it's cool when you have a doctor in front of your name. It just gives you the clout, man. <laughs> it sounds great until your friends get a hold of it. <laughs> and uh, it's not that great. And besides, like when you get a doctorate, your name changes. Like you go from John Deloney to Dr. Deloney. But in my house, my mom and my wife were Dr. Deloney before me. And so I've got these two <laughs> gangster women ahead of me. And it like by the time I came around to it, they're like, oh, that's cute. Take out the trash. It didn't matter. It didn't that's matter. amazing. I love it. Well, give us a call. The number is 888 5225 and we will chop it up with you in the meantime we got abigail who did just that abigail what's going on toronto ontario canada hi this is very exciting thank you for taking my call most definitely how can we help so i'm thinking about selling my dog grooming business to my contractor because i'm burnt out and i really don't make enough money managing it wow interesting so if you were to sell it, like, have you done the research? What are, you know, what could you sell it for? Do you have a buyer? What would you do next? Those are my questions. Um, yeah. So I've looked first out like a couple of lawyers or um, appraisal places, but they only really do like real estate. We don't have real estate. Um, it would just be like my client list and uh, my equipment and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and then I would be looking to sell it to my contractor. Uh, she works for me full-time. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a lot of health issues, um, which is why I'm feeling a little burnt out lately. Um, I'm just having to do more work in the business, but still not making enough on it. So, so let me, uh, it's funny you say that. The first question that came to my head when you said you were burnt out with your business was, are you truly done with this this part of your life? Right? And And I've been there too. Or... Are you burned out by the the ecosystem you've created around this job? Here's my question. Um, if you fired this person, and would that bring joy back into your business? And would it bring cash flow back into your business? No. Um, she helps me basically run it. Um, she does. She works full-time. We're usually booked about six to eight weeks in advance, like full-time, four to five dogs a day kind of thing. Um, How are you not so, making enough money, though? Increase your prices. Then. Um, we have we increase like every year. Okay. Um, the problem is she makes sixty percent plus tips, <laughs> um, so she makes too much, in my opinion. Um, and I'm only taking home about fifteen percent, maybe that. And but she works for you. To clean the farm. Yeah. Yes. Don't you get to decide? You get to decide. She's been working with me for three years, and I I don't feel right about taking 
an income away from her, if that makes sense. Okay, but you're willing um, to have- lose your job. Yeah, so this is... I have I have a dog boarding business, um, like which is my full time other business, and then I have two kids at home. Um, so this is kind of the side on the side right now. <laughs> okay, so let me back up. What, yeah. What's your question? I just I just we just started answering your questions. What What is your question? Should she sell? The question it? is, yeah. So I guess I'm wondering like um, how to present the idea to her and uh, like what it's worth and everything. Mm-hmm. What? How? How much are you guys pulling in monthly and yearly? Uh, last year, the gross income was about eighty-two thousand. Okay, and how much of that did you see? Uh, Twelve thousand. And how much of that did gross, she see? Like, what'd you pay yourself, and would you pay her? Uh, she made about forty-seven thousand last year. And what'd you make? Twelve thousand. Wait, what? Hold on. <laughs> Just, it's your business. <laughs> And I'm sorry, we're not laughing at you. We want to make sure we understand. No, I'm trying to think of what Dave Ramsey would do if if I was like, hey, man, uh, I, I make 60% of this company. He said she's got it bas- bas- backwards. Yes. yes. Thank you. Th- say it right. Yes. <laughs> because this is your business. You should be making the bigger percentage. She's your employee. Or, like you've uh, but, set yeah, this whole so, thing up. You're bringing it. You're doing all the work and you've got somebody that you're contracting in. I, I'm help me understand because I'm so confused how she's making so much more than you more more than so, double triple yeah so I I just do the managing so I stay at home um, I'm with my kids and then I do my boarding business about 36 hours a week um, and then she works full-time at the salon so that's why she makes more than me so I do like the managing and everything so you're okay, just almost but, a passive uh, owner then but wait 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 I gotta call something out because I, I I'm, I'm not trying to be funky fresh here, but I need to understand because on the one hand, you are making it sound like it's like, oh, I'm doing all this work. It's not worth it. Da, 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 da. But then now on this side, you're like, oh, I only I only do the management. Does that make me make so, sense? I'm just I'm, trying to understand. Yeah, yeah, no, I. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I do. I'm supposed to be doing the managing, but because she's had so many surgeries and health issues, uh-huh. I had to go in on my time. Gotcha. Um, and extra time working like 12 hours a day. Catching up on all the appointments that we can't just cancel. So Got it. Is she is she paid salary and not not by dog or not by total profit. No, she she makes commission. commission so if she's not if she's not cutting and she's not working, then she's not making any money when she's out on her surgeries, right? Mm-hmm. So so you're having to come in and, and do it. So it's not the money. You don't need the money per se. You just don't have the time. Is so that right? why can't you hire another contractor? And that way you can keep earning off the business but you don't have to pick up her slack. And then that 47 K um, would just be split between two people. And then you're still making your 12 K, which, Hey, you're making money, whatever. If on your own words, it doesn't take a whole lot of work. It's just you managing from your house. And then you've got another contractor that picks up the slack when old girl can't do it. Then now you're, now you're going. And now you've just got another business here that, like you said, you don't make a ton off of, but you're running it. And at any point, if you wanted to expand it, and take a bigger portion of it, you could, unless you're just like, hey, I hate dogs. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> you know? That's definitely not it. <laughs> um, I guess I feel like if I were to hire another contractor, I would be uh, babysitting more. Um, I trust this groomer, and I, I, I feel I can leave her when, okay. when she is up and running. And I trust her with the money, and I trust her with the dogs and everything, and I feel like it would be more work for me 
Look, you send another contract. <laughs> it, it for sure would be, but you'd, you'd make more money. It sounds like you are you do not want to be in the business yeah. of leadership. Yeah, because leadership's hard and it's investing and it's exhausting. Um. Yes and no. I mean, I do have. She's got the other business well. though. That's what I'm saying. This is um. this is where it's painting me. I here's where, as a person who has owned a similar type business, and my husband still runs it. You, it's a delicate balance in doing what you should be doing and having other people doing the other things. And it's mm-hmm. because this is, if this was like totally in left field and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm a chiropractor and da da da. And I also board dogs. And I'd be like, okay, maybe this was just a thing that you did for a while, but you've got the other business that's also with dogs. And it, I just, I don't want you to get out of the business simply because you haven't necessarily handled it right up until this point. And, and, and at the end of the day, do what you want to do and do what you feel to do. But my biggest thought is you might need another buyer because you have said this other person, they can bear, they're not able to do their work right now. So her Mm -hmm. taking it on full time, how is she going to do that? I guess I had thought about still helping her um, by her contracting me out if she needs another surgery. But no! then it's you, you've got to make a choice, Abigail. You... Of, of <laughs> managing it, right? yeah, Abigail, managing. Here's, here's what it sounds like you want. It sounds like you want to make more money. You want to go back to doing less work. You want to not deal with management issues, but you do want to be a manager and you <laughs> want to hold her accountable, but you don't want to like hurt her feelings because she's been with you for a long time and you don't want to add anybody new because you trust the old person, but the old person doesn't work it, anymore you got you got to just make some hard calls look you're going to be uncomfortable one way or another so just choose your discomfort and move forward choose your discomfort and move forward let me say this you have someone you trust now and it took time to build that trust you can find someone else that you trust you can add more people and build trust and, uh, and you know learn their integrity over time that's that's how it works. But when it comes to the sale of this thing, I would net present value it out. If this is me, I'm just making up numbers. You're, it's so small that you're going to two or three years, and that's what I would sell it for. That's just me. I mean, she's got the assets that she can sell off and her list of clients. Yeah. Yeah. Multiply that by, I don't know, three to five. Yeah. Three to four is usually how it works. All right. Make your choice, Abigail. This is The Ramsey Show. You are listening to The Ramsey Show and in the lobby of Ramsey Solutions on the debt-free stage, we got Clint and Lori from Cleveland, Ohio. What's going on, Clint what and Lori? How are you doing? Hey. <laughs> How are we doing? Awesome. So good. Wait, you guys' energy is out of control. <laughs> I, I'm excited. I, I know. I just know that you guys paid off a monster of debt. We what did. Is, we did. What uh, is it? 153,053 months. Hey, Oh, wow. Yeah. 153,000 and wow. You What do you were, do for a living? I'm a civil engineer. And I'm a uh-huh. social worker. Okay. I love it. Outstanding. So, yeah. you guys are going to have to break this down. Like tell us a story. Tell us how all this Tell us how it went down. <laughs> well, uh, we we had credit cards, we had um student loans, car loans, uh, you name it, we had it. Normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, that at the end of the year, I always kind of take a time to do like a little self-evaluation um, going into a new year. And that year, I just felt like God was saying to me, 
you've got to get this right with your money. Wow. And um, then I checked out our church uh, webpage and there was a financial peace class starting two days later. And I'm like, we're going, Clint. Cancel your plans for Wednesday night. We're going to be there. So wow. um, we went, and uh, it was Clint's second time taking the class, my first time. Um, what was it like having a touchy-feely social worker tell the engineer, <laughs> we're going to a class about money? Oh, he's uh, used to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. If, if she tells me, I go. You know? That's yeah. a genius engineer. I love it. That's the last class of engineering college. They're like, hey, by the way. Just say yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Just say yes. So you get signed up for FPU. You get into it. Just just shoot me straight. What was your first impression? Were you like, yes? Or were you like, mm? like, were you skeptical? Did it take you a minute to get on board? Tell me about that. So right when we started, we wanted to give up right away. And Lori will kind of tell you why. Um, I I work for the government, so uh-huh. we were on furlough in 2019. And, okay. Um, she can kind of tell the rest. Yeah, so I think we kind of knew a little bit about what the program was. We Clint had gone through it by himself when we were engaged, and mm-hmm. then um, we yeah, so we started the class. Maybe like two weeks later, our hot water heater went out, mm. and then two weeks after that, he went on furlough, and we were like, oh my gosh, oh. we wanted to quit so bad and I felt like just getting through that hurdle and those two hurdles alone was enough to kind of just like propel us through so it was like okay okay it's gonna be okay we took an $1,100 hit like right off the bat and then we're like oh my gosh can we do this every part of us wanted to go and just be like this doesn't work we're quitting we're giving up wow and and we didn't we kept going (laughs) well it probably also made you see like how precarious your situation can be right like all it takes is a water heater gone out or being furloughed for you know just the dominoes to fall all over the place yeah people think they get a job in the government it's going to be stable and slow forever until it's just one tuesday afternoon it's just not anymore right yeah yes so one hundred fifty-three thousand over the course of fifty-three k. What was your What was your income during that time? Uh, it was one twenty to one fifty. Wow. And what was the What accounts for that increase? Um, just pay raises over the years. Um, pay raises over the years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very very cool. Okay, so so, what did you do when you got furloughed? Because the, the the psychological data tells me that when you lose your job, when you get sent home, your body responds as though you've just lost a loved one. It's damaging mm. to the psyche. It's damaging, it's, especially for a breadwinner. It's a lot of shame involved to sit down and tell your wife, hey, I don't have a paycheck anymore. Like That yeah. whole thing is scary. You go home. What do you do next? So I went to work um, a lot. <laughs> I love I, it. I've been working part-time, and I work at a hospital, and I was like, I will take any shift you can give me yes i went to a bigger hospital like you know north of where we live i usually work south of where we live i'm like whatever whatever you have i'll take your weekends i'll take Mm -hmm. your holidays i'll take whatever you can give me and um so we i mean i was just grinding it out i cranked it up to full time and we tried to you married well my brother (laughs) (laughs) i know that's right i agree (laughs) stepping up that's what i'm saying (laughs) yes so what did you do though um, so, uh, we... You potty trained our middle child. potty trained our middle child, yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, no! 
John, I, I respect that. No, I, I, I'm saying that's worse than anything you could have done. And so we, we had a snowstorm, like right when it happened, like 15 inches of snow. We ran out of diapers. He was 19 months old. And we just, I'm like, okay. Now's the time. Now's the time. <laughs> We're like, there's $42 a month. We can save it. You can stay here and potty train. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know that's right. Yeah, if you get potty train, that's an instant raise. You're, you're the only guy in the government who was on all fours every night just begging God, please let me go back to work. Please. Oh my That's God. Incredible. Waiting for it to open back up. <laughs> that is so funny. I mean, most of the time when we talk to people, we're like, what was the hardest part? And they're like, oh, the budget. And you're like, potty, potty train. train. <laughs> and she's like, hey, I'm going to go to every hospital in, yeah, in northern Ohio. She was happy to go to work. She was happy to go to work. I bet so. So, so okay, so you're fur- furloughed. We've t- taken extra shifts. We're potty training the kids. I want like what were some of the crazy things that you guys did because everybody's got that crazy story of like oh no we only ate chef boyardee you know seven nights a week what was the thing that you did that was like if you told your friends hey we're doing this one thing to pay off debt that they would think you're crazy well, for me, I let her create the budget. She's a free spirit. <laughs> um, she wouldn't get on the same page until until she um, uh, and and so when she started creating the budget, we were finally on the same page. Although it drove me nuts because her handwriting was all over the place. She was had scratches. Oh, the down. written budget. Oh yeah, it was it was awful. Wow. Um, <laughs> so you're doing this budget on a legal pad, like on a, on a piece of paper, not I not a spreadsheet. Paper. I love paper. I do not like spreadsheets. Oh my. Gosh, we gotta hook you guys up with some every dollar before you get off of here <laughs> and get you guys into in, into the two thousands. All right, uh, but l- let me let me ask you this in all seriousness. Uh, that journey, fifty five months, that's a long time. That's a yeah, long, time. long time. And there are nights when you look over and he is asleep or she's asleep, and you can't you can't sleep, and you're staring at the ceiling, and you're done with the whole thing. You're done with your little boys not being able to go do stuff. You're done with not being able to see your kids because you're working 50 shifts a week. You're done with the government job, but you don't have anywhere else to go. You're done with all of it. How do you, if someone is sitting right where you were and they're three, three weeks in or they're three months in and the whole thing falls apart, what do you tell them? How'd you keep going? I think the the boys were really our why. I mean, um, what I guess the other piece that wasn't covered in in why the journey took so long was that um, throughout the course of this, we found out that our youngest child has a extremely rare genetic disorder, mm. and so we cash flowed tons and tons and tons of um, medical appointments, wow. a hospital stay, bunch of um, GI procedures. And, and therapy I mean we paid so thousands wow. in medical on top and we were able to cash flow that and I think part of it was like we want to get to that point where we have the peace like when we you know like Dr. John Deloney says all the time like where we can sleep at night mm-hmm. and know that that we're going to be okay and that they're going to be okay That's right. and if he needs more things down the road that we can continue to do that we can continue to cash flow it and um and also just have that peace of mind um mentally as well that's, that's a, incredible that incredible man there's that, always more to the story john there always there <laughs> always is but I, I i just can't help but wonder if that whisper in the night you, you're gonna have to get your money right yeah was, hey, you're about to head through a a dark tunnel for a while. It's going to be tough. 
Well, I'm so proud of you guys. So, so proud of you guys. You guys are rock stars. And of course, we've got that Live and Give box for you. You can gift it to somebody else. It includes a total money makeover, baby steps, millionaires, and of course, let's a year of FBU. Yeah, let's count them down. Let's count All them right, down. Click the clock. Lori, let's get 153. Them going, get them going. Bring up the kids. Here's let's it. get a three, two, one. Go quick, go quick. We're up against the clock. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Three, two, two, two one. We're dead free! I love it, I love it, I love it. That's what I'm talking about. Clinton Lori paying off 153K in 53 months, making 120 to 150K. That's how you do it, guys. We're proud of you. This is The Ramsey Show. What's up, guys? You're listening to The Ramsey Show. I'm Jade Warshaw, your host, joined by Dr. John Deloney to my right. I like to call you JD Money. I'll take it. I like it. I like I'll take it. it. Guys, if you're wondering whether to buy or sell a home this year, here's what you need to know about the housing market. There's still more demand for homes than there are homes to buy. So home prices probably won't plummet, but ongoing interest rate hikes are making mortgages unaffordable for some buyers. Let's be honest about that. So home prices aren't expected to spike either. So what does this all mean for you? That is the question. It means if you're buying a home, you may still face some competition and big price tags. And if you want to sell your home, chances are you can still make a nice profit, but you may have to be patient for the right offer to come. Imagine that. Of course, all that depends on where you are, where you are, because every market is different. Okay, that's why you need to work with an experienced real estate agent when you're ready to start the home buying or selling process. You want someone who's done this hundreds of times before and knows how to negotiate a strong deal based on a current market. You can find agents like that who are Ramsey trusted through our endorsed local providers program. They are top performing agents around the country who we trust are going to serve you well. To get to to get connected today, go to RamseySolutions.com slash agent. That's RamseySolutions.com slash agent. And y'all know I'm always going to tell you, I'm going to shoot you straight. I have used Ramsey uh, endorsed local providers for real estate. John, when we moved here, I'm going to shout her out. Mandy Lynn Festy. She came through in the clutch, man. Amanda, this- Amanda Lewis was, was mine. And yes. she was awesome. She worked with me for nine months. At one point, she sat me down and said, you are being unrealistic. Okay. And she let me have it in the right way. And man, we landed on a on a dream place. So it's been awesome. Yeah, man, they shoot you straight. They do not lie. I remember. I kind of wonder. I, I need probably to ask her. I feel like maybe we might have been tough clients. I might. I think her my Amanda's <laughs> exact quote to me was, "You're a very tough client." So. <laughs> We're sorry. We're we are high maintenance people over here. I'm not going to lie about that. A little bit of drama. <laughs> maybe William's a little better than us. William in Minneapolis. What's going on in your world? Hi, guys. It's a pleasure to speak with the both of you. I'm very new to Ramsey Solutions, so uh, bear with me. Welcome to the cult, my man. Not cult. Don't say that, This is for sure a cult, William. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are great. Well, uh, I'll be coming into um, a a pretty sizable inheritance that will be uh, in the form of cash and land. Uh, But my question really has to do with the land side of this. the land is worth in the neighborhood of you know three million dollars, um, so it's a pretty sizable amount of, of land um, that my family has, you know, amassed and passed down since my you know my family immigrated here. Uh, so the, the the generation before my parents made it very clear to them that their wish was that the land was not meant to be sold. Okay, and my parents my parents honored that and. Um, 
and added on to that land by you know buying up uh, the acreage next door to it and, and so on and kept building out. Um, uh, so they honored that wish and they didn't sell it, but they did not place that expectation on me. Um, okay. I have moved away and simply don't want to manage the land, even though there are ways I could generate income from the acreage, you know, like logging or renting out the fields to cover uh, the taxes. But I just don't necessarily want to do that. And so essentially, do I have a moral obligation to keep this land? Oh, Jay, do you mind if I jump in on this? Uh, go for it, John. So as somebody who is scratching and clawing with almost every spare penny to purchase land that's going to be generational land for my family, this one's hard. Um, anytime you've got a moral question that is tough for you to answer, I always want to look at the people you are not talking to. And so have you sat down with your parents and said, hey, what's the expectation with this property? Um, so when, when we did have these conversations, essentially what my father was big on is it's going to be your decision. Um, but this is how our family and generations that have come before us have Mm -hmm. felt about it. It's the balls in your court. Then my dad was pretty clear. He's not going to put that kind of pressure on me, but, um, uh, but he was very clear on how, the previous generations have felt about this about this land how how has the land generated income previously um honestly uh it, it, it hasn't uh, there's been uh a couple times where we've logged it um and then we've rented out a couple fields i mean because it's a thousand plus acres but uh, really a lot of it is just for uh recreational use right four-wheeling hunting but i'm i don't do any of that uh-huh. and um uh, so, so really, it was just it was meant for enjoyment, um, really, for the family. How is it appreciated over the last 25, 30 years? Um, I'm not sure uh, because, like I said, I mean, it's been in our it's been in our family for well over a hundred years, um, and so I'm, I, I'm not sure exactly how it's appreciated. But um, I know my my parents have uh, gotten some pretty good deals on the neighboring pieces mm-hmm. of land um, because they're so familiar with our family. Let me, let me, um, let me back out and ask a different question. Do you need this money? And here's what I'm asking. What, if, if you were given $3 million in a 401 portfolio, couldn't touch it till you were 55 or 65, whatever it is, that'd be a pretty incredible gift that hopefully would appreciate it at what the average has been over the last hundred years, which is about 10 to 12%. I can't imagine having this much land sitting on this for the next 30 years or however old you are. Would it not, would you not sell a hundred year old family legacy and turn around and dump this money into a, an, a retirement account that may or may not perform as well as this, as this property? See what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I do. And I mean, to, to your first question, do we need the money? I mean, my, my wife and I, we're young, we're 25, and we don't need the money in the sense of um, we're, we're, we're out of debt um, mm-hmm. and we unknowingly have been following your guys' principles. But uh, we, we're out of debt. We're, we have our 401ks maxed out. We have about $75,000 in our 401k. Um, and, Paid for uh, home? We're paying, 
Uh, not yet. We're, we have about $228,000 left, but we'll have that paid off by the end of next year. Let me ask you, um, let me ask you something. Let me, let me go back to the land real quick. How much is it going to cost you out of your pocket to maintain this land? Whether it's uh, keeping it up or taxes, uh, whatever. Yeah. With, uh, with taxes and everything, it'll be, um, in the neighborhood of 30 to 40,000. A, a year. What? A year, yeah. Yeah, but you can put some cows stuff. on it, and that goes away. I mean, you there, there's so many things you can do with it. Here, yeah, yeah. William, yeah. A lot of it's lakefront property, so that's what adds the taxes. I feel yeah. like I, when you call in, you know, all we can tell you is kind of what we would do. You know, at the end of the day, you're going to go home and do what, what you think is best. And you've kind of framed it to where you framed it up to where you understand the weight of this, but there's also kind of you're out there. Your dad gave you an out. But obviously that initial cause that's what's tripping you up and it i i want to encourage you to take your time on this i want to encourage you how long have you had this inheritance well it, when did you get it we haven't it's not in our name yet um, we're still kind of going through okay. the process but uh, then yes it's been known for years even yes but now it's happening and that's different from something being hypothetical is different from when it actually happens and so I want you, this is weighty to me. This doesn't feel like you're just gonna up and decide. I want you to take time with this because you're 25. And let me just tell you some of the decisions I made at 25, if I could go back and do it, I would do it differently. If I could turn yes, back time. 100%. You never should have started that, John. Oh, no. um, take your time. To answer your question, like on, uh, I don't think it's a moral issue in terms of a sin issue or, or something like that I'll tell you we have a disposable world and we are all about the tragedy of selling a hundred year old property for three million dollars so y'all could buy a nice big nine thousand square foot house makes me just sick to my stomach so to answer your question all the way through man I, I don't know that it's a moral issue you're not an evil person it's not it's not moral. you couldn't pry this land out of my hands is what I would say yeah, I don't think it's moral, but I do think it's it's questioning some things. Yeah. He's got a lot of things to think about. I, this I, I love is The Ramsey Show. Slow play it, man. Hey, it's Dr. John Deloney. If you love the show and want a deeper dive on your money journey, we have a weekly newsletter that gives you trending and helpful articles and tips on following the Ramsey way. Just go to RamseySolutions.com today to sign up for our newsletter. Again, that's RamseySolutions.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter.